While your day is winding down, they're just getting started. This is South Coast Tonight with Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow. They've got you covered on all the news of the day, from local issues to politics on both sides of the aisle. This is the place where the movers and shakers come to be heard, to listen, and where they're held accountable. This is South Coast Tonight on WBSM. Welcome back to the show. I'm Marcus, 508-996-0500. Chris McCarthy will be back on Friday. I'm here with you today. Uh, we spoke with Jack Spillane of the DeBefford Light. We spoke with Sheriff-elect Paul Haro, And now we're speaking with Adam Bass of the North Star Reporter. Yeah. Hey, what's up? I'm doing all right. Thank you. Uh, long night last yeah, night. Sure all was. All the way up to... Say again. I said it sure was. Yeah, it was. So, um, Adam Bass, the North Star reporter, you did an excellent job uh, covering um, your part of the county and a lot of the sh uh, sheriff's race in general over the last however long it's been happening. Feels like years. Uh, so, and I think you were the you were the were you the one to break the break the news of uh, Haro's declaration of victory. No, actually, Ted Nisi of WPRI was the first to do that. But then I got word of it, and I also, you know, for the North Star Reporter said, you know, breaking Thoreau called his victory uh, that night in Somerset. And I also made mention that at that period of time, there was no concession from uh, now defeated Sheriff Republican uh, Thomas Hodgson. But a few minutes later, there was a concession. My, my, my experience was basically I called i called after i got off the air i called Haro. uh he told me the taunton numbers were and he told me what the taunton numbers were so like mm -hmm. so i was like wait so you won he goes yeah he's like yeah i won yeah. and then uh so then i went straight to twitter and then i i'd heard from uh mccarthy had talked to someone in hodgins camp said he'd he had um he had resigned or no, he had resigned he had he had conceded so then i i, I sent that out as soon as i could too but um so what are your thoughts overall well, first of all, um, I was shocked last night because I didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah. I, I've been saying for uh, a m two months now that this was going to be a toss-up race. Mm -hmm. uh, people have asked me, you know, what's your prediction? I said bluntly, I don't know. Uh, I predicted a either two-point Haro win or a four-point Hodgson win. And, you know, the results seem to point to a two-point to three-point Haro win. Yeah. The thing is, is that um, I was... Expecting Haro to do very well in those northern municipalities, so North Attleboro, his home ca uh, home city of Attleboro, Easton, very educated areas. I also expected him to do very well in your area of New Bedford. Mm -hmm. What I did not expect him to do well in was to make up lost ground in those middle uh, municipalities, so yeah. Berkeley. Dighton did okay, and Swansea and uh, Somerset were big ones. He only had a 300-point uh, vote deficit there. Yeah. And the fact remains is that he was able to pull out the pull stops in those areas showed that he was able to reach a wide variety of voters. Yeah, he, it's, it's actually, you know, it was pretty incredible when we were talking. You talked about the name ID he had to make up uh, down here. 
And when Jack Spillane called in last night and gave me the New Bedford numbers, he broke the New Bedford numbers for the sheriff's race, and it was, you know, like a 5,000-point margin. I was like, I like audibly gasped. I'm like, oh, my God. Because at that juncture, where where the race stood at that juncture, I'm like, that's, I said it on the air. I said, I I think I think Haru won the race. He really, you be, I mean, he, he had, so, he, like you said, he had some buffer, but but the the one of the reasons he won is because he ran up the score here in New Bedford. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Oh, that that margin, that five thousand uh, vote margin in New Bedford, uh, made my jaw drop. When I saw it for, um, from Jack yeah. uh, Spilling of the New Bedford Light. What I also was shocked to see uh, Hero do was keep Pongos. I yeah. said that that would have been a battleground city, maybe leans Hodgson in the uh, outcome. But what I didn't expect Hodgson to have was only a thousand uh, vote lead there. I expected him to do as well as a three thousand or a two thousand lead as he usually does every year. But the fact that Hero was able to keep it around one thousand votes—that was the ball game. That's at the end of the that's night. the thing is if we were really like let's say everything was in and we were waiting for Attleboro, we would have been able to call the race early because right. the thing is this Totten is the Republican hub. Uh, really of the of the county you've got a republican mayor a lot of republican city councilors uh you had a republican state rep before not not anymore i guess carol doherty seems to have some staying power there but it really is a republican stronghold of the county so if we were waiting for like if we were waiting for attleboro or we're waiting for any other town for the most part we would have called it early because we're gonna say there's there's gonna be no path to victory but they're they're could have been he would have just had to run up the score quite a bit and i guess that wasn't possible yeah and and it seems to me that from looking at the data that i have the best towns that hodgson had were kushnet which is a ancestral dem- democratic place that means democrats used to vote on mass in that area but now they really don't anymore no actually um, they they supported baker's republican primary opponent in uh in in 2018 that really? that crazy guy that said like the the nazis were secretly like gay militants he um yeah i forget his name which is good but he <laughs> he won a kushnet so a kushnet's been in and actually the state rep bill strauss uh, in his race, I mean, Akushnet's new to his district, but uh, his opponent had won uh, Akushnet. So it's it's an increase. And Evan Gendro, another Republican challenger, had won Akushnet. So it's an increasingly conservative uh, area of the county. And back in 2020, uh, that was Donald Trump's best town in Bristol County, Massachusetts. Yeah. It was Akushnet. Yeah, that makes yeah that makes sense. That seems to be uh, the way um, Akushnet is, is heading. So... Uh, do you, do you have any like other thoughts on that? Cause I actually wanted to move, like talk about a couple of the, a couple of the other County races. If, sure. Yeah. So, um, so, uh, I'm wondering the, Tim Cruz is the only survivor, right? In the, in the, uh, County Republican County, uh, because there were, uh, basically the entire Southeastern Massachusetts had, uh, except for Tom Quinn had Republicans in each of the county, let's say like law enforcement, criminal justice roles and uh, Tim Cruz. And then you had the D.A. Michael O'Keefe. And I forget the old Republican sheriff's name in, in uh, Barnstable County. But the two Republican sheriff, uh, uh, sheriff and D.A. in Barnstable County had left and they've been replaced by Democrats. I wonder how much the top of the ticket has to play in that, uh, in in the, the you know the sort of the, the bloodbath that the Republicans had down here. 
It, it very well could have. I know Senator Ed Markey, who represents the state, uh, he'd been pulling through for the Democratic candidate in Barnstable County, and he, he did fundraisers with her. He has done several canvassing events with her, as well as, I believe, uh, now Governor-elect Maura Healy sent one of her uh, ticket ticket members down there. I don't remember who it was, but at the end of the day, there was a mobilization from the Democratic Party of Massachusetts down in South Coast, Massachusetts, that you really didn't see from the Republican Party. Uh, Jeff Deal sort of did his own thing. I remember him on Election Day sort of going to different places. He actually was in North Attleboro uh, at Newtown. I want to uh, catch, catch him and say hello, but he was only there for about 15 minutes in his car. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it just sort of felt disorganized from the Republican Party compared to years prior. Because um, I'll give you an example. In 2010, when Hodgson had his uh, last competitive race against John Quinn, he didn't really see the Democratic Party go all out. Uh, Deval Patrick had to deal with Charlie Baker. Yeah. And I believe Barney Frank was at his uh, former representative, Barney Frank was nearing a loss in Massachusetts fourth. So you don't really have had that kind of mobilization. Barney Barney Frank went up against uh, Sean Belot, who was a Harvard, uh, uh, Harvard grad and a uh, veteran. I believe he kept it like relatively close. And so Belot ran again, but then that's when Kennedy had jumped in and Kennedy, uh, I think won by 10, but yeah, he had kept it like relatively close in that election. Belot with Frank. I I do remember that. Um, But to your point about, I, I I noted this in my election day column because I talked about each um, each candidates because each candidate had I, I think a really well organized uh, army of, of volunteers themselves. But what what one of the advantages I think of the Roe campaign was that the the, the statewide Democrats were coordinated. Uh, all pretty coordinated and, uh, you know, basically together. Like you didn't see Jeff Deal come down for for uh, Tom Hodgson. There really isn't any indication that he, you know, uh, Hodgson would have wanted that. You definitely, Hodgson definitely didn't want Rayla Campbell to come down with her, with him, right? And um, so, so, but you saw, uh, you know, you saw, I mean, I think Hodgson did some stuff with Amore, um, but you saw, you know, Kim Driscoll come down and, you know, obviously for her campaign, but for Hero as well, spoke, uh, you know, basically was pumping up Hero twice. You had Andrea Campbell come down, Dinah DiZaglio come down. And Andrea Campbell, you were at that event, I think, was, yeah. I think made an impassioned plea uh, for Paul Hero to the to the um, to the crowd. So you had this uniform, you had this uniformed united front in the Democratic Party. And the Republican Party, everybody was basically, um, you know, had their own little, like organizations that were very insulated from each fiefdoms. other. <laughs> yeah, fiefdoms is the exact word I was looking for. Yes, yeah. So, um, so, um, I mean, what is this? So, what does this mean about? What do you think this means about the future of the mass GOP? Well, that's a very deep question to ask. Right now, the current vice chair is throwing their hat into the ring to run for leadership. Um, Jim Lyons has not made any indication that he will not run or run again. He'll probably need to make a decision soon. Mm -hmm. Um, To put it bluntly, these are going to be pretty rough times for the mass GOP. They don't really have any protégés that they can bring up as star candidates. And that's always been their... uh, a hat trick, or not hat trick, trick in their hat, excuse me. 
And what they were able to do was prop up these really, really rock star candidates like Mitt Romney when he was governor, uh, Charlie Baker, Bill Wells back in the Republican wave of 94. Mm-hmm. But right now, who do they have? Amore, Anthony Amore, the uh, auditor's candidate uh, by the GOP, he lost. Jay McMahon, who's run, run for attorney general multiple times and lost for a third time. Yeah, he got, got crushed. Andrea Campbell. Yeah. Uh, who do they have left? The only person I can think of off the top of my head is uh, first Essex Senator Bruce Tarr, but he has no indication no. of running for higher office. He's fine being uh, the de facto leader of the Senate Republicans in Massachusetts. Mm. If, if, if to, to borrow a phrase from uh, Steve uh, Cogzella from Mass Inc., they are in a lifeboat shootout right now. Yeah, and right. they are just at each other's throats and don't know what to do. And you know, there'll probably be some rift between Democrats because you know the Democratic Party in Massachusetts is not a monolith. Not everyone is a Harvard-educated person. Uh, you know, there's different you know shapes and sizes. But the real damage that the Republican Party in Massachusetts has done to itself is really bad. To be perfectly yeah. honest. Well, so um, so I wanted to. You're talking about like potential Republicans that could be uh, statewide candidates. If Bruce Tarr isn't going to go anywhere. It's he's got a good job. It doesn't really, you know, he's got a good job. He doesn't really need to do any of that. But um, I thought Andrew Lelling would be a contender, but uh, I think it would have had to be. He would have had to be coming off the heels of his tenure as Attorney General, right? And and so now it's kind of like. People have already forgotten about, you know, Jaisal Korea and that Harvard scheme that he had. Uh, he had uncovered. I thought actually he did a really good job as a as as a U.S. attorney, and um, I, I feel like he might have been a viable statewide candidate. But yeah, there's not a lot of talent. They're going to have to bring some out outside talent into groom or somebody that maybe is outside the political sphere, like maybe a Chris Doty. Um, otherwise, it's going to be a. I think it is going to be a bloodbath. Continuing. <laughs> There's the problem, Marcus, because one one of the things that's true about Massachusetts politics, and I'm quoting from Gerald uh, uh, and uh, Dr. Aaron O'Brien's about Massachusetts politics, it's about insider versus outsider. And the insiders, you know, you're more Healy's, you're Kim Driscoll's, who worked her way up in the, in Salem politics for years. They have the power in this in this Commonwealth. Bring out outside folks. That's going to be a recipe for disaster. People kind of had crushes issues here. Um, and the reality is that if you bring someone else in, you're going to have to uh, incubate them into Massachusetts politics for years and yeah. years and years. And there's not enough time to do that. That's actually that's a good point, because I think here's the thing. There were opportunities down here in the county for elected for Republicans to get elected if there was enough support. Some of these elections uh, down here, these Republican challengers, did pretty well against their uh, against longtime Democratic incumbents. Now, I don't think I honestly I don't think Bill Strauss is going to be in any danger. Uh, he's chairman of a powerful committee. I think he's been a great rep for our area. Um, but, uh, and I, I like the other reps too. I think they've, I'm just speaking about Strauss cause he's my state rep. I like the other reps too. I, I think they're, they're good people doing good work, but, um, there were, the margins were like 54, 46, 53, 47, uh, which, you know, is about a, a thousand, maybe 800, 800 to a thousand votes. So if there was an opportunity for, there was an opportunity to really, 
get a foothold down here in this county, especially considering, uh, you know, it's it's swung a bit more conservative over the last decade. And they missed that. They whiffed on that opportunity. And so it's sort of like a 10-year project that they haven't even started yet. Right. So we're speaking with Adam Bass of the of the North Star uh, reporter. Um, you know, any thoughts on the, you know, any other thoughts on the on the Bristol County Sheriff's race? Well, there is one thing I'm very I want to learn more about and that is, you know, one of one of the results that shocked me in particular last night was uh Paul Hero winning Fall River. Now, um when I saw that Hero won it won the city by about 1200 votes. I totally I, jumped the gun on that with the numbers I got. <laughs> I totally yeah, that's, jumped. that's another debacle. Yeah, um, <laughs> it was a debacle, though. It wasn't all my fault, yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, so one of the things I was very curious about is that Fall River is a traditional Democratic voting city. But these types of Democrats are your working class Democrats, uh, also known as the ones that move away from the party, the more the educational polarization, the divide between college-educated ed voters, college educated voters and high school diploma voters grows wider. So the thing that was curious to me is how did he do so well there? Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping that the results will come in, but I'm betting it on two things. One, those uh, college-educated voters up in the northern part of the city. And two, and this would be very interesting, if he split, if he killed up some Portuguese voters from uh, Hodson. Yeah. The Portuguese voting block is usually conservative. Yep. So, you know, because he invested in a lot of radio ads – in Portuguese, which are very important to the culture, uh, from what I've been what I've been told by people who live in Fall River, yeah. um, and the reality is that if if you can win Fall River by investing in reaching out to all these kinds of voters, who knows what you can do? So there's been a lot of talk about um, there's been a lot of talk about. Uh, and, and it's it's kind of ironic that they're complaining about it now, but there's been a lot of talk about dark money or whatever, basically pack money. They're complaining about the pack money. Um, how much do you th- how much do you think the pack money? Keeping in mind that they both got pack money, how much do you uh, think the pack money uh, played a factor into this race? Well, the the thing about this race was not so much uh, convincing other uh, voters that usually vote for Hodgson to vote for Hero but rather convincing Democrats to fill out every single bubble on the ballot. Mm-hmm. I think the the money that was put into ads by uh, the Everytown Gun, Act, gun, uh, gun Safety Advocacy Group and the Working Class Family... Working, working Families Party. Party, excuse me, thank you. Um, I think that motivated voters to come out, Democratic voters, but sure. I'm not so sure. I think that Hodgson stepping more into the national spotlight after after uh, Trump's election, may have done that. There's definitely been a national focus on this race. Even national Democrats from Massachusetts decide to talk about it during Hodgson's ad promoting um, public safety that mentioned uh, Perot's money coming from Hungarian-American philanthropist uh, George Soros. Yeah. That, that's a whole can of worms of, about you know allegations and different types of uh, claims that it's, it's just too much be- to talk about. It became it became the stupidest part of the race, and it, it was like uh, it was like a few days before. Whether or not you think the claims are legitimate, it was like uh, I think the ad was probably a mistake. 
Um, honestly, I think it was a mistake on their part because it, it, it didn't do them any favors and it only it only allowed for opportunity for that type of criticism. The, the interesting thing is, Marcus, is that this was the first ad I saw from Hodgson's uh, camp that focused on uh, crime, which was a ring issue Republicans that they could have run on in the 2022 midterms. Yeah. But the ad sort of went into conversations about funding and I well, not so much defunding the police, but rather where money is coming from for Hero. And and to me, that really didn't click as a way to win over voters. No. No, yeah, I, I um yeah, I don't think that was one of the right. I I, I don't think that was one of the um it didn't. Re- I don't. I don't think that resonated. I, I mean, I don't think the, a lot of the other stuff that they tried to hit him with resonated either. The uh, like, I don't think he lost any votes over the unfair labor practice. I don't think Hodgson lost, lost any votes over the ethics. Uh, you know, the ethics complaint either. Um, those all seemed very in- ancillary. What do you think the winning issues were for Hero? I think the winning issues was I'm just going to focus on what Hodgson did because yeah. the reality is this campaign, this entire race was not about Paul Harrow. It, it sounds weird to say that, but it was a referendum on Thomas Hodgson. Yeah. Hodgson based his entire campaign on, uh, and I quote, my record, my record in public safety, my record in running the jails, mm-hmm. my record in how I have been an advocate, an advocate for keeping Bristol County safe. So Paul Harrow said, okay, we want to talk about your record. Let's talk about your record. Let's put the spotlight on you. And I'm not going to keep it away from you. Now, you know, Paul Harrow, he says that he doesn't want to focus so much on being a media figure in the Bristol County Sheriff's Office. And, you know, there will be stories about the Bristol County Sheriff's because we all have to report on what's going on locally. But the reality is that Harrow's winning issue was, look, this is what Sheriff Hodgson did and did over the past 25 years. You want to continue with this? Yeah. So we're uh, we're speaking with uh, we're speaking with Adam Bass of the North Star Reporter. Um, I guess I'll ask this, even though I'm not we're not familiar with politics up there. Do you know any uh, you know what's going to happen with the um, special election now for for uh, Haro's mayoral seat? Uh, I believe one of uh, the city councilors is going to be running for election there. I'm, I don't okay. remember who it is off the top of my head. Alboro is actually not the area I cover. It's North Alboro. There is a difference. Okay. Um, from what I've heard, the the, ta- the city, and I could be wrong about this, they may want to switch to a town manager format, but from what I can tell, there's still going to be a special election going on. Haro has put his weight behind a certain candidate. I'll have to pull it up later, but, um, you know, I don't know. He, if he's supporting a certain candidate in that election? <laughs> well, I suppose. Uh, yes, uh, it's one of the city councilors. I'll have to find it later on, and I'll give you the... Yeah, send me the info. info. I, I, I'm, yeah. I'm, a, I'm just... I guess I'm now like mildly interested in Attleboro. So, oh, it's a, it's a very beautiful city, actually. I've uh, driven through there a couple times. Uh, checked out the, the Capron Zoo, which is a lot of like the Capon Zoo, excuse me. And it, it's a lot of fun. It's a, it's a good place to visit uh, once in a while. I don't like their courthouse. Uh, no. That's not that's not Mayor Hero's fault, but I really don't like that courthouse. It's old. It's small. It's uncomfortable. But I mean, it's better than Boston City Hall. Yeah, no, it, it is. It's also I, I like it better than the um, the the big Boston courthouse too. It's it's uh. definitely less hectic. But hey, so Adam Bass, North Star reporter, um, is there anything else uh, that struck you in this race? Well, yeah, I think there was one thing that um, 
it caught my attention, and that was the fact that in Bristol County, one of the ballot questions is um, question four. Oh yeah, I wanted to talk to you about that. I think it's I think it's a, a demonstration of like how not monolithic people's uh, uh, you know like politics are. Um, based on how they split this ticket. But sorry, go ahead to explain that uh, better. Yeah, sorry. so question four was, originally it was a law passed by the uh, Massachusetts uh, State House, both House Democrats and uh, Senate Democrats. Yeah. It would have allowed, uh, or it is going to allow, uh, undocumented immigrants to legally obtain driver's licenses without proof of uh, legal identification in Massachusetts. Governor Baker vetoed it. They overrode the veto, which means they had a, a supermajority vote yes on it one more time, and then it passed into law. And then the Republican Party worked on gathering signatures to put it as a, to put the question as a referendum on the ballot. Uh, if you voted yes for it, that means the law was going to be upheld. No, the law would be stripped, and it passed. And, but in Bristol County, almost I think every single municipality voted no on this. And yeah, uh, everybody here in Fairhaven, Fairhaven, I live here. It's it's a pretty democratic town, and they all voted. They all voted. Uh, they all voted no, like overwhelmingly too. Well, again, the thing you have to remember about Bristol County, especially the northern part, it's ancestrally Republican. These yeah. are people who will still vote a Republican down ballot. Uh, uh, I'll give you an example: uh, the auditor's race. Uh, Anthony Amore beat Diana Desaglio in North Alboro. Okay. And that's a typically Republican voting area. Right. It's not anymore, but the reality is that um, the, the the fact remains is that it wasn't an issue that really resonated with voters to, up, to uphold the law. Yeah. Now, you know, voters in Brookline, Needham, uh, Newton, the area I actually live in, um, they voted yes, and yeah. they overwhelmingly voted yes. But mm -hmm. it is interesting to see that divide, and it really gives a glimpse to how voters think. You know, I've always wanted to understand why voters vote the way they do and sort of pick their brains, if you will. Right. Yeah, it is. It is interesting. I've always, you know, I was, I had an off-air conversation with Chris about that. I was kind of like, you know, part of it is like an anti-Hodgson vote. Part of it is people's people's politics just aren't as like uniform. You know, most voters' politics are, you know, like I said, not monolithic. They're all over the place. They're inconsistent um, because, you know, who has time to really think about this stuff like that deeply uh, besides you and me who do it for a living? So, um, uh, so uh, Adam Bass, North Star reporter. Hey, listen, I got to take this break, but I appreciate you. Um, I appreciate you joining us. I appreciate your coverage of this election uh, and. Uh, we're lo looking forward to to, to more uh, collaboration going forward. Where can people go to, to read some of your work? So they can go to NorthStarReporter.com. We're going to have another story up tomorrow. You can also check out my Twitter, at Adam Bass of Mass. That's A-D-A-M-B-A-S-S -S of M-A-S-S. -S. And, again, you can check out our Twitter account, at NorthStarReporter.com. Adam Bass, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much, Marcus. That was Adam Bass, North Star reporter, great young reporter, doing um, doing excellent work. So, go check him out. I'm gonna I, I'm gonna hit, I'm gonna take this break. Uh, if you want to call, if you want to mess message on the app chat, or give me a call five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. I'm uh, I'm here. I'm here till ten.
I'm Marcus, uh, 508-996-0500 is how you can get on the program. Uh, it's been a wild couple days. You know, Chris and I were in studio for six hours uh, on the air, uh, double the time that we're usually on. I mean, we'd asked till midnight, and then I, I, I called Tim at midnight. I'm like, you got to let us stay on, uh, and he was totally down with it. And so uh, he showed me how to do it, how to make make it make it so and now i know that so i can just do it whenever i want i'm just kidding i won't do that <laughs> but um but we were able to break a few towns we weren't able to break taunton taunton broke i mean i heard about taunton basically just as we were getting off the air um and like i said i i, I had called uh mayor mayor hero now sheriff-elect hero i said hey uh, you know i was like where, where's taunton he goes oh i only lost taunton by like a thousand votes i'm like oh so you want he goes yeah you know and that was basically how that happened. Um, bad night for Republicans in Massachusetts, for sure. We talked. Chris and I talked about this. He, you know, he talked about '96 with Bob Dole and how bad that was for a lot of Republicans in Massachusetts. Talked about Peter Blute, um, and this was really bad. I mean, Tim Cruz is the only survivor. We're gonna we're gonna get. Uh, DA Cruz on, um, you know, I, I talked to someone in his camp. I said, Hey, listen, I really enjoyed the conversation we had, uh, when we had him on back in August. Uh, and, uh, I think, uh, you know, I think he's a, he, he's, and he's a good guy. And I th- obviously people of, of Plymouth County think he's doing a, he's doing a great job. So I'm interested in having him on and having more conversations with him. You know, one of the things he, one of the reasons I think Cruz one is because he, he presents himself more as the typical Massachusetts Republicans that that and I think people are like they're not you know they're like what's the you know what's the issue here um, and so he you know I, I had heard from his camp that he was up forty four thousand votes with five towns left uh, left reporting to report um, and so it seems like he won pretty handedly uh, in the um, in the election so. Uh, we're gonna have we're, we're gonna we're working on ha- having him on uh, at some point just to talk about the work he's doing. You know, if you live like I said, I've, I've mentioned the towns, but you know, you there's a lot of people in our listening audience that live in Plymouth County. So, um, <clears throat> you know, he wants to get the word out there about the stuff, the work he's doing. I'm sure, and 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 you know, that's kind of what that's not it's definitely what this show's for and what it's going to be for going forward. Now we do have a special election. For Ward 3, for Councillor Dun- uh, Dunseat, he's resigning December 1st. So, uh, remember, we broke that last Friday here on South Coast tonight. I know there's a lot of interest in that story um, and because I've been hearing about it nonstop and I've been seeing, you know, who's looking at that story. We broke that here on South Coast tonight um, and... Uh, that's, you know, the entire and his exclusive comments on the, uh, on the issue. And so he's, um, he's leaving December 1st there. We'll have conversations about who can be the next, you know, ward three city councilor. I saw, I ran into Lisa Lemieux, uh, in like over the weekend, uh, when I was covering the Hero rally and what he, um, what she what she, what he, what she said was basically uh you know she's going to do her due dil, uh, she's going to do her due dil, uh due diligence uh, didn't seem you know super receptive she's got a big job uh you know she's president of the southeastern um the GSM labor council she does a lot of good work there and uh it might i don't know it, it might be a 
I don't know if that's a conflict or whatever, but she's obviously a strong candidate for the job. She'll get a, you know, she'll get in uh, an army of, of, uh, of support behind her. Um, you know, there's the, the union walks and all of that. She's, she's definitely, and plus she's very well known, uh, for all the, the good work that they do with the, the labor council and such. So that's, um, she's a candidate. Uh, it's difficult to imagine some other candidates I've heard, I've heard whisperings of, you know, people going here, there. I think, you know, someone's, I think it's going to be someone who, who might be fairly new to the ward, um, that like Councillor Dunn was, and, uh, you know, people might complain, but at the, at the end of the day, people just want to represent it to someone that's going to represent them well. Uh, so a lot of that carpet backing charges, they, they never work. Uh, people don't care about like carpet, quote unquote, carpet baggers or whatever. They just want someone that in the office that they think is going to do a good job, but, um, we'll see, we'll see on that. Uh, you know, there is some national elections. I do want to, you know, talk about Fetterman beat Dr. Oz. Someone asked me, it was like, what do you think of the, what do you think of the midterm elections? Like Republicans didn't do that well. They, they should have in, in a year like this done very well and uh just winning you know there's a the fact that there's even a path for the democrats now they're probably not going to win the house but the fact that there's even a path for the democrats to win the house is a failure an absolute failure of the of the national republican party and the fact that they couldn't pick up winnable seats um in swing states is a failure of the of the republican party um, and I, I, I say three reasons. This is these are my three reasons because one of my my friends asked me this is like what what do you think? I said three reasons. Trump slash Trumpism. You know, you had that lunatic Doug Mastriano who was running for governor in in Pennsylvania who, you know, basically said he wanted to send like his own electors to vote vote for Donald Trump in the next election no matter how the state votes and all of that. Um, so Trump slash Trumpism, uh, overturning Roe v. Wade. Uh, I think was is a big hindrance because you see in states even like Kansas, they voted to keep um, a constitutional right to abortion on their in their state constitution by like an 18 percent margin. So I think overturning Roe v. Wade, that's a very serious issue for a lot of people, most people. And the third being just running bad candidates. And that kind of ties into the Trump stuff, but it's also independent of Trump. Blake Masters was a terrible candidate for Senate, right, uh, in, in Arizona. Dr. Oz was a terrible candidate. He didn't resonate, and he actually literally murdered puppies for a living. He, he did lab experiments for I'm, I'm dead serious about this. He did lab experience uh, experiments for for a living where he gave puppies like lethal injections and they screamed to death. It's awful. Hundreds of them. Hundreds of them. And that's like a joke I heard on the show Veep uh, about like how politically unpopular can you be? I remember the the, the, the guy, the the politician in Veep, he says, if I get her endorsement, I might as well nail a bunch of puppies to the floor. Right. And that's basically what Dr. Oz did for a living. Plus, he had some weird campaign commercials. He wasn't very likable, um, you know, so. Part of it is bad candidates. Herschel Walker, um, uniquely bad candidate. I mean, Brian Kemp's already won his election in Georgia, but Herschel Walker might still lose. Uh, pretty incredible. So I think those those are the three reasons. Um, and you can see that here in, in Massachusetts. I mean, they're not raising any money. They're not coordinating, but they had some real bad candidates. And so it's hard to detach yourself from that. You, you look at the look at the um, look at the Democrats election party in the Copley Plaza. Maura Healy, Kim Driscoll, Dinah DeSaglio, Andrea Campbell, we're all together. 
right? They were all together at Co- uh, at the Kavli Plaza. They had their election party together. They they wanted a unified uh, their unified ticket to be there. Um, you didn't have that with the with the Republican Party, right? Where was you you had you know Leah Allen, Jeff Deal, and Jay McMahon at the Boston Harbor Hotel. You had Rayla Campbell wherever she was um, uh, in the uh, in the Upside Down, uh, and then you had uh, Anthony Amore uh, somewhere else. And so they're they're fractured. They're fractured and uncoordinated, and they had some bad candidate. They had some bad candidates. Rayla Campbell, in particular, a uniquely awful and her candidate, and frankly presents as a pretty horrendous person herself. So, those are the three reasons I think Republicans uh, drastically underperformed. Trump, um, Trump, uh, bad candidates, and the overturning of Roe v. Wade. So I'm going to take this break, and I'll be right back. 1420 WBSM, where freedom of speech lives. You wash your hands. Real-time reaction to everything that happens after the sun goes down. Ain't going down till the sun comes up. South Coast Tonight with Marcus and Chris is on WBSM. Good evening. Hey, you're live. Hey, am I on? Yep. Okay. Marcus, I just want to uh, thank you and Chris for uh, the effort that you made last night. Thank you. uh, Get the information out to the people I appreciate uh, as that. to the uh, election and how it was going. And uh, I think you guys might be tired, but I don't think you guys uh, were uh, bored with the five <laughs> hours and then it turned to six hours that you had to uh, work. We definitely were not bored. Uh, it was, it was, you know, because even while we were on air and not, while we were off air, we were doing a lot to. We were making phone calls. We were texting people. We were getting. We were doing everything we could to get those numbers. So. I, I thought so because I know you guys. Well, five hours, five hours, but it seemed to to fly by. And luckily, you were able to catch that one more hour. Uh, my other, my question would be though to you guys. Uh, <clears throat> what what was the turnout for this election as opposed to other off season elections in the area? Um, so I, I I should have probably looked at that more, and I think we'll get a clearer picture in the coming days. But it looks like New Bedford is around a thirty ish percent turnout. Uh, and how does that compare with the p- previous elections? You know, uh, I I don't think it's great. Uh, the elections haven't been the the elections haven't been. Um, well, was it more than before? Put it that way. Was I will. I will look into it. Before. Okay, oh, good. Please. So Please I can. Do. I'll get that answer tomorrow. Actually, yeah, we'll, we'll okay. look at the. Tur- I'll, I'll get a rough estimate of the turnout numbers, and I'll look at the turnout numbers last time. I think the primary was actually a little bit higher mm-hmm. than it was in 2018. Mm-hmm. I think Mayor Mitchell said that the primary was a little bit higher than it was in 2018. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons for turnouts, I think Bristol County in general had higher turnout because of the sheriff's race. Yeah, well, that's 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 good. Uh, Certainly, your uh, audience goes beyond New Bedford, mm-hmm. and I think that was your motivation, and you and Chris all along, is to try to get stir up more interest in, in voting and taking part in the political process in this area. I, I hope so, and so, I appreciate that. So even if you, you know, I know New Bedford is kind of a tough nut to crack, uh, but the, the fact that you're getting more people involved and uh, and trying to make this area more important in uh, you know the scheme of things, I think is is very important for the area. I just want to thank you guys for what you're trying to do. I really appreciate that. Thank you very much. All right, my friend. Take care. Thank you. Be good. I got to take this break. That was very nice. I appreciate that. Uh, Thanks for joining me this evening. I I could fit one more call in if you called in like right now. Uh, But 508-996-0500. And thanks for joining me this evening. Tomorrow, I definitely have... Uh, Congressman Jake Auchincloss on. He's calling in. 
Uh, it'll be, you know, that interview will be at 7, I believe. Um, you know, he's been making some national news with some of the stuff he's doing on foreign policy. I want to talk to him about that. I want to hear his reaction to the election, too. You know, we had Congressman Keating call after his, uh, last night after his um, after his victory over uh, over Jesse Brown in the uh in his congressional elect uh, election uh Auchincloss didn't have an opponent he's the only he's the only member of the delegation that didn't uh have an opponent this uh this go around so um I want to talk to him about that I want to talk about some of the stuff he's doing nationally he's definitely um made some headlines a lot of it with foreign policy um so uh you know his uh criticism of some of the um his colleagues his democratic colleagues in the congress their their proposal uh, for um, how to handle the situation in Ukraine, so we'll talk. I'll talk to him about that. I'm really looking forward to it, and and of course I'll take your calls. You know, throughout the night, um, that's who I have booked now. Maybe some more guests will uh, appear on the schedule tomorrow. You'll ha- just have to tune in and see. But Congressman Jake Ockenclaus, um always enjoy the, um, talking to him on the air, and uh, always enjoy talking to you on the air. So. I will talk to you tomorrow, 7 to 10. Friday, Chris will be back, and we'll, we'll have one of our great Friday shows uh, planned out, too. So uh, looking forward to um, talking to you then. So later.